On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're going to talk about evangelism. We're talking about, oh, let me get my mic. We're going to talk about putting your mic in front of your nose. (laughs) We're going to talk about personal evangelism, what we ought to do, especially the idea of how do, what's the best way to work with people one-on-one? You know, it's great if you could stand before a crowd of thousands of people and preach a sermon. That's one thing. That doesn't happen very often. So the more likely scenario is that we're going to have chances to deal with people one-on-one. And what are some good pointers? Well, we're going to look at a couple of people who were very successful at that in Bible times. All right. Uh, we're going to get started on this important discussion right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Hey, Jacob. Great to be with you Glad tonight. You're here. Kyle is here. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. You're at a little foot race here to get us up and going tonight. Yep, yep. We have a little 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 late on the uptake, but that happens. Thank everybody time. stuck stuck with us. We appreciate yeah. you being here, and uh, we have a special guest tonight. My father-in-law, Nick Law, is here from Jennings, Florida. Nick, welcome to the virtual Bible study. It's good to be with you tonight. Glad that you're here, and uh, we look forward to some comments from you as well on uh, an important uh, topic tonight. Yeah, uh, it ought to be very important to us to reach lost people with the message of salvation found in the, the Word of God. Uh, as we were saying in the introductory comments, it'd be great to to be able to teach multiple people all at once. I mean, it'd be great to have a thousand hungry, seeking people who want to know the truth. We could have a class for 12 people and all of them immensely interested in hearing the truth. It'd be even greater if you could have a hundred or a thousand or 10,000. But those kind of opportunities are few and far between and far more likely is the chance that Maybe with a family relative who's not a Christian or uh, maybe a co-worker that you spend a lot of time with on the job, uh, maybe a neighbor or an acquaintance in the community, and you have a chance to strike up a conversation about God and yeah. serving God yeah. and doing the will of God. And uh, so uh, we, I think that's where we really need to work at perfecting our skills because that's the most likely scenario we're going to encounter. And so we thought we would look at two people who did that in an excellent way. The first of them is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, when we think about the life of Jesus, we think about him teaching huge crowds of people. Maybe like on the Sermon on the Mount, when masses of people followed him and and came out to hear him speaking and teaching. But Jesus also engaged people individually. And a famous episode is in John chapter 4 where Jesus had occasion to speak to the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. And I think he his, his example there is almost like an outline on how to do effective personal evangelism. Okay. 
So we're going to look at that one, and we're, then we want to look in Acts chapter 8, uh, the evangelist Philip. Actually, Acts chapter 8 contains two episodes uh, wherein the evangelist Philip taught. One was a, an occasion of teaching a whole town, a whole city, the city of Samaria. Uh, at the, the first half of the chapter has Philip in Samaria, and he's, he, he can effectively converts the whole city. And he leaves there. He's called by the Spirit to leave there and go out into a remote place and have a one-on-one with a man from Ethiopia. So the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch and the work that Philip did in teaching him is also a great example. All right. And so we want you to comment on those tonight and follow along with us as we dig into those contexts and look at those examples and lessons that we can learn and if you'd like to share some comments with us in the chat room tonight, sign in there and share your comments with the world. Or give us a call at 877-381-4567. That phone line is open. We're ready to take your call, 877-381-4567. And as always, you can email us at any time, questions at collegeview.com. Um, and some of our listeners have sent in emails already. Uh, I see one one with 10 lessons to learn from the woman at the well, others with six. So. Lots of things that uh, we can see here uh, that can help us uh, yeah. in our evangelism. We'd really love to hear from you. Uh, uh, again, I think it, it's it's really uh, valuable to, especially, I mean, in the case of Jesus, we think of him being the ultimate example of all things. And so uh, uh, we, we can certainly learn from him and how he, he addressed the Samaritan woman at the well. I thought, Jacob, what we might do, since we've got some good response from some of our regular responders, we've got Grant in Franklin, Tennessee, and Jim Walsh up in Kentucky, and Kent Bailey in Georgia. Those are three guys who very regularly co- uh, correspond with us when we send out our updates. And so I thought we might just follow their outlines and see what they said, and then we can add our comments into what they said. So we're taking the night off? So we'll sort of take the night off and let them teach the class tonight. Uh, and and to our update list earlier today, that's all I that's all I said is tell us how the points you see in these two episodes, the woman at the well and the Ethiopian eunuch. Tell us what you see that would be applicable to successful personal evangelism. And we got some good outlines here. Okay, all right. So where should we start? Well, let's start with Grant. Let's just right. read down through his list. Grant's in the chat room, too. If you'd like to comment and share your thoughts with Grant in the chat room, you can chat there. Grant sent in his comments, and he says, number one, first thing you learned is don't pass up an, opp- up an opportunity when you are weary. And he, and Jesus was weary uh, and may have maybe just was, uh, you know, I don't have the I don't have the energy to, to take that on right now. And he yeah. did it. So it starts out in, in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus was on his way from Jerusalem back to Galilee. And if you if you know the geography of that, if you're going to make a straight line pass, you've got to go through Samaria. The Jews didn't much like to go through Samaria. They didn't like to engage the Samaritans. There was a great ethnic controversy between the Jews and the Samaritans. Very often the Jews would cross over the Jordan River, go up the east side of the Jordan, and then cross back over when they got into Galilee territory. So they wouldn't have to engage the Samaritans. Jesus, on the other hand, took a straight shot, and he was near. He was in Samaria, near the city of Samaria, and uh, he uh, he engaged this woman. But uh, it says in John chapter four, verse five, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. Um, so, uh, and then it says in verse 8 that his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. And he, in verse 7, he asked the woman to draw him some water to give him a drink. So put that together. He's traveling by foot, a long trip. He's tired from this journey. He's thirsty. He asked for a drink of water. He's hungry. He sent the disciples into town to buy some food. I think most of us, if we were in that situation, would say, this is not a good time for me. This is just not a good time. And at all this, this woman probably needs to hear what I have to say. It'll just have to wait for another time because this is not a good time for me. And so I like Grant's point. Don't pass up an opportunity even when you are weary. Uh, yeah. The, uh, uh, we may miss an opportunity that won't come back around. There you go. Yeah. He goes on. He says, ask a simple question to get the conversation started. Verse 7. And, uh, and also, um, yeah, I think, um, um, well, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so he asked for a drink of water, uh, and of course, that, just the simple request of a drink of water sparked uh, a reaction from the Samaritan woman because she knew he was a Jew and she is Samaritan. And as we said earlier, there was this ethnic issue between the Jews and the Samaritan that went, went back centuries in their collective histories. And, uh, and so she was surprised that he would even speak to her or ask her for anything. Uh, and then, and then, so he asked for physical water. We're at a well. He asked for physical water to get a drink. And he's gonna, he's gonna springboard off of that into a discussion. Uh, she said, verse nine, the woman said, how is it that thou being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. Jesus answered to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. So he's ready. He's ready to take that leap and and uh, uh, use the opening to talk about spiritual things. And so Grant's point, you know, initiate the conversation with something that you know you can use to lead to a broader discussion. You know, I, I've suggested before, maybe, so you're sitting around the coffee break table, uh, and uh, you could just say, man, you you wouldn't believe what the preacher spoke about yesterday in his sermon. And so I said, well, what did he talk about? And there you, there you go. There's your opening. And so it, it very typically we need to start it in that sort of informal way, just conversationally, and see where it leads. And we need to start a well. First off, uh, you start a conversation about anything. You can't talk. You can't talk to anybody about the scripture. You don't talk to somebody. We need to be friendly. And, but we uh, do that about everything else. Did you see that last play in the ball game last night? Yeah. Uh, well, or can you believe what Senator so and so said in Washington yesterday? And so we, we talk about politics. We talk about sports. We talk about the weather. We 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 are very adept at initiating conversations about all kinds of things we need to be about starting religious conversations and we need to we need to start conversations with strangers he, he this he didn't know this woman she didn't know him he started the conversation um and then as you mentioned drop uh drop some uh spiritual crumbs there see if anybody nibbles you yeah. don't have to go out and you know on the limb and say hey 
what do you think about Acts 238? You yeah. know, just maybe throw something in there and see what, what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, and this is something that um, that was mentioned by several of our respondents tonight. Uh, don't let personal biases present you from pre- prevent you from talking to someone, Grant said. Uh, and Jim in Kentucky said, don't reject anyone who shows interest in the truth. And so don't be biased. You know, we don't have the Jew-Gentile ethnic differences uh but we have other kind of ethnic differences, and maybe, maybe sometimes. And I'm glad to say, I think that racial prejudice is much diminished in recent decades, way more than it was when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm glad for that. But ev- I, I think we'd be naive to say that we're we're completely free of all racial. I, w- I don't even know if I want to call it prejudice because I hope we're not prejudice but there you know they're, they're, we understand there's differences uh ethnic differences between different peoples people from florida yeah right. oh yeah especially people yeah, from florida yeah. but but uh uh again i think grant makes a good point don't let personal biases prevent you from talking to someone all right um ask a question that would produce interest in the individual that would continue the discussion uh grant says yeah which which I think goes to what I was saying earlier. You know, I'm going to have to talk about more than sports or more than politics in order to get to where this where this conversation needs to go. And so, uh, ask a question as Grant says that would produce interest uh, that will continue the discussion in the right direction. And that's going to take a little bit of courage and boldness to step out. I, I can talk about the weather to anybody. I could talk about the weather to a total stranger. I'm at the store. Man, have you ever seen it rain like it did yesterday? I don't even know that guy. But I, I can I can talk freely, easily about the weather. I saw last couple, how long has it been, Kyle, since our Predators, National Predators, were in the Stanley Cup Finals? been three or four years ago. But I remember seeing a guy at Walmart wearing a Nashville Predators hockey jersey. And I said, this guy is a total stranger. I never saw him before or since. And I said, go Preds. And he said, yeah, go Preds. It's easy. Those conversations are easy. we gotta, we got to be that easy about spiritual things. And we are way overdue for a break. Uh, let's uh, let's get a break, and we'll continue with this uh, discussion that Jesus had with the woman at the well. And while we're at the break, it might be a good time for you to take some time to put your thoughts together. Send them in a short message in the chat room tonight, why don't you? What's one thing you see from the incident with Jesus and the woman at the well? Send that comment in. We'll get it on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Here's a quick thought. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, verse 12. No other name but Jesus. In a world of uncertainty, there is one rock-solid truth. Put your trust in Him. Keep your eyes on Him. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Anger, if not restrained, is frequently more hurtful to us than the injury that provoked it. 
Speak when you're angry and you'll make the best speech you will ever regret. Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. When anger rises, think of the consequences. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, evangelism and lessons that we can learn from a couple instances where evangelism took place. Right now we're talking about Jesus and the woman at the well. And we're looking at Grant's comments tonight to start us with. He said, ask, okay, so he said, look for the way to guide the discussion from a physical perspective to a spiritual perspective, uh, discussion. And that's sort of what Jim said as well. He said he turned her material question into a spiritual one. And they both reference, uh, he ref, uh, Jim references John 4 verses 9 and 10, and Grant references verse 13. Okay. So, uh, again, we have we have an agenda here. We have we have a purpose in mind in this conversation, and so we kind of got to keep that uh, in the back of our mind what, what we're trying to accomplish here. And so, as Grant says, uh, uh, look for a way to guide from a physical perspective to a spiritual one. That's, we want to turn this thing. Jesus was very successful in that conversation with the Samaritan woman in completely guiding that discussion away from. The initial question was about water, a drink. He, he turned it into a discussion about, uh, living water that, that led her to ask, well, tell me more about this living water where I wouldn't even have to come to draw water here anymore. Uh, and, and so Jesus, uh, turned that thing completely. And I thought it was, I think it's really interesting, uh, and you get cleared down toward the end of the episode in verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went into the city and said to men, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did is not this. She got so wrapped up. He was, he was so successful in turning that conversation that she, she actually left her water pot. That's what she came there for is to draw water for her needs at home. And, but she found something so much more valuable that she didn't even Think about gathering up her water pot to carry it back home. And so he, Jesus is very successful in turning that conversation. Uh, here's what uh, we have some from, from our listeners tonight in the chat room. We'll get back to Grant's here in just a minute. He, uh, Andrew says, young folk are much less likely to shoot the breeze with strangers than our forebearers were, or, uh, particularly about topics like the weather. Finding interesting snippets of conversation might be difficult. Yeah. I do think that people are less skilled at just conversationalism than they used to be. And I blame modern technology a lot for that. Uh, we had some guests in our home a while back, and they had a, a, a teenage daughter, and we couldn't get her to engage. She, she sat in another room by herself playing on her telephone. She, and, and I, I think that modern technology has, has, has cost us, uh, a lot of things, but one of the things that we've lost is skill and conversationalism. All right. Eric in the chat room says sometimes an invitation to come visit or attend church services is enough to start a conversation. Yeah. How about just saying? As Eric suggests, how about just saying, hey, I'd love for you to go to church with me Sunday. Are you doing anything? Come on, go with me to church Sunday. 
Yeah. That's maybe all you have to do. When Eric, and Andrew responds to that, says that's most effective when you already know the person and have a relationship with them. Yeah, I'm sure. And it might right. be, yeah. I'm sure that's right. right. These two biblical examples that we're looking at, Andrew says, presume no relationship. Yeah, exactly right. Andrew says, one other thing working against this is how relatively commonplace public evangelism is. There is some significant sensitivity to the intrusion of religious into a regular con- religion into a regular conversation. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I agree with it to the extent that some of these well-known TV evangelists have soured people on religion so much so that they don't want, you know, you, you get a, a, a Jimmy Swaggart uh, or a, a Jim Baker uh, and, and or you get some of these other charlatans who are just constantly begging for money. And and so sadly, a lot of people lump all religious people into that yeah into that kind. Yeah. So I do think that that, that has hurt us. But, but, but there's not any resistance really to dropping a little bit of reference to God in the conversation. Maybe reference, uh, maybe drop some kind of, um, um, maybe drop a little bit of uh, dissatisfaction with the morals that you're seeing on display in the society that we live in. See if there's a nibble there. See yeah. if there's not some common ground to start with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Like, Hey, you know, this, all this uh, stuff we're seeing about uh, alternative lifestyles, uh, we don't. That's 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 just that's upsetting. And see what somebody says about that. All right. All right. So Grant goes on and says, provide an example that demonstrates the inspiration of the Bible. Now, th- uh, this is kind of interesting, and I, I, I think I understand what Grant is saying there. Jesus said to the woman, so she asked for the living water, and Jesus says, go call thy husband and come th- come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thine husband. Mm-hmm. And that sayest thou truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Now, we couldn't do that. We, we, Jesus had divine insight into this woman's heart and life. Uh, and and so he could use that in a way that we couldn't use that. But But I think Grant's point is a good one. We could, we can still demonstrate that the Bible is from God and has has insights into our lives. Uh, so I think that's the the idea that Grant is is suggesting there. You know, uh, we need to show the the infallibility of the Bible in application to our human existence. And uh, Jesus uh, led led sort of a leading question or leading request. Um, and he got her into a place where the answer would provoke the discussion. We can ask leading questions or make leading statements just to see if somebody will nibble like a bite. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Grant says, provide a brief overview of the scheme of redemption showing how the seed promised to Abraham is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He looks at references, uh, verses 19 through 24. That's really good, and and I'm going to kind of reserve comment on that because I think Philip the Evangelist was extra good at showing how Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus. And and that and we'll make a point about that when we get to that to, to that discussion in a minute. Andrew makes a suggestion, I think tongue in cheek here says we could always accuse people of these things and then hope we get lucky and they take us for a prophet. <laughs> uh, probably not a good idea, Andrew, but I, I do like the humor. Uh, yeah. he says um, uh, Grant says provide a brief overview of the scheme of redemption showing how the seed promised oh no sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there are many opportunities to share the gospel. And he references verse thirty five, you know, the the, the the woman herself yeah. went into town. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and and Jesus said the fields are white right, and the harvest. Are white. Yep. 
Uh, uh, and so we just need to look at those uh, for those opportunities, I think, is Grant's point here. And if we look, we will find. Um, he says, we that reap will receive wages and are gathering fruit for eternal life. This should motivate us to do the work. So there's some motivation. We need to be motivated. This isn't something that's going to just necessarily be easy. But if we see, understand the the urgency of it and the reward, then we will be motivated uh, to do some things maybe that are uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and so we need to be working at that. And um, verse, and then number 10, he says, a person must not put their confidence in an individual but in the word of God. Give them book, chapter, and verse. The power of God is the gospel. He references uh, Romans 1, verse 16, and looks at ro- verses 41 and 42. Here in this episode, uh, so the, the, the people of Samaria came out uh, on the word of the woman, and it says in verse 44, 41, rather, many more believed because of his own word. And said to the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So ultimately, you know, when we're teaching people, it doesn't matter what we think. Our personal opinion is completely irrelevant. We need, as Grant says, we need to be really appealing to the Bible. All right. And uh, now to Jim in Kentucky, some things we missed from his. He said, Jesus asked her for help. He sought her, verse 7. People need to feel needed. Okay. So so maybe a personal interest. Uh, We can make sure we show interest in others. Uh, He immediately began to teach about what we need, everlasting life, verse 14. So. Hey, we do. We need to remember that we have the life-saving medicine here for the deadly sin, the deadly sin disease that they have, and we need to get to sharing it. Uh, he dealt with her sin, did not ignore it. Verses seventeen and eighteen. I like that. You know that that is really important thing. We've got to people. We've got to get people to see that they need salvation, and I'm afraid that that's much like lacking in the vast majority of religious teaching that goes on today most religious teaching is to make people feel good we need to get people to feel the the pain of sin and then and their urgent need for salvation and so jesus didn't dodge the the issue about her sinful life she she had been a very sinful person and he didn't dodge that he brought it up nick yeah we see that he did he didn't dodge the uh controversy between the Jews and Samaritans, but he he chose the right time to come in with information, as we'll see in a moment, because yeah. he goes back to that point about the worship and and stating the fact that the Jews were worshiping in the proper place at that time, whereas uh, the Samaritans were not. So, yeah. You know, we don't have to avoid the controversy. We just may have to be very skilled, as our Lord is teaching us here, to know when to answer and how and at uh, what point in time to bring that up that's right i think he uh i think that's a great point here nick that so when she said i perceive you a prophet she then asked another question she said in verse 20 our fathers worshiped in this mountain and i understand from that spot you could probably point your finger and point to mount gerizim nearby and that's where the Samaritans worshipped because they weren't welcome to go to Jerusalem to worship there. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, she said, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
I think that that what I see in that is so she, so the the woman was motivated to ask what was a really big religious question in her mind: Can we worship here, or do you have to go to Jerusalem? Jesus didn't Jesus didn't compromise the answer because the fact of the matter is that the answer at that point in time is you got to worship in Jerusalem. You can't worship God anywhere else. The and 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 so he didn't compromise and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Worship wherever you want. God will be glad to get it. If you offer it and are sincere, God will gladly receive your worship. He didn't compromise with her, yep. but he didn't let this sort of sidetrack the, the conversation uh, away from the main point of his identity as the son of God. Yep. And so, I, I, you know, we, we may have to do that. I, I think when, when people find out, you know, we're trying to talk to someone about religion, they're going to find out, oh, you're a member of the Church of Christ. Hey, I got a question for you. I, I heard that members of the Church of Christ don't use any instruments of music in their worship. Is that true? Well, there's an answer to that question, a good answer to that question. But this may not be the time to dive off into that until we've got this person understanding the whole notion of Bible authority, book, chapter, and verse, and so forth. So, we, hey, we may need to say, and I think it's sort of what Jesus said here, there's a good answer to that question. We'll get to it. Yeah. Good. All right. Uh, quickly, before we get a break, uh, Jim fin- finishes here. He says he made reference to the Scripture as his authority. Yeah. And we've got to bring the Scriptures into these discussions. Let's, let's read real quickly what Kent says. He said, Christ noted an important opportunity to present truth to this woman who proved to be a truth seeker. Christ presented truth to her in a kind and respectful manner without compromising the message. Christ, in detailed specifics, demonstrated that her lifestyle was in violation of scriptural principles of marriage. Christ used the opportunity to present his case to all the community regarding his deity. All right. So I think that's a good maybe final observation here. Look how this thing snowballed. Just because Jesus took the opportunity, even though he was tired, thirsty, and hungry, he took the opportunity to talk to one person. And and that snowballed to, into the fact that he was able to teach the whole city effectively because he took that one opportunity. That's what we're looking for, really, is snowballing opportunities. Okay. Quickly in the chat room, Brian in California says, Concerning our comfort level in approaching individuals with the gospel, I heard a preacher say repeatedly years ago, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Dwight and Michelle, uh, I think this is Dwight, I have a few guys at work that are totally against homosexuality. We could talk about it. Abortion is another issue we can talk about and agree on. But trying to get them to understand that they need God in their life is like pulling teeth. Yeah. Well, you got to. Gotta... I think that's. I think that's probably a common. Uh, that's a common thing that we all run into. But you got some some common ground there that maybe yeah. you can build on. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Maybe if they see that we agree on something like homosexuality or or abortion. That may that itself may be the opening that will allow us to talk about something else. All right. We're going to get a break, get this week's bullet point, and we'll get your thoughts. Uh, share them in the chat room uh, as we go uh, to break here, and we'll get them on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Imagine yourself walking into a drugstore to have a prescription filled. You hand the pharmacist the written prescription form from your doctor and then watch in amazement as he throws it in the wastebasket without even reading it. Then without reading the label, he hands you a bottle of pills. 
By now you've gotten your nerve up and you ask, man, what are you doing? Well, he answers, I'm giving you some medicine. But you didn't read the prescription and you didn't even look at the label on these pills. It doesn't matter, he says. Medicine is medicine. One pill is as good as another. No, sir, you object. I want the pills that my doctor prescribed and no others. There's very little chance that you will ever visit that drugstore again. Common sense says that this is no way to handle the important business of our physical health. Why not allow the same kind of common sense to help us in the far more important realm of spiritual things? For some reason, folks have decided that anything goes in religion. Join the church of your choice has become more than a mere slogan. It is the rule that most people live by. One church is just as good as another, we are told. How can this possibly be so? Jesus said, quote, in vain, they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, Matthew 15, verse 9. Note that the Lord says that some worship is vain, meaning worthless or good for nothing. He goes on to explain why it's worthless, because it follows the commandments of men rather than the will of God. Are you sure that one church is just as good as another? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or on YouTube at College U Livestream. And uh, send in an email anytime if you've got questions about something you've heard or you would like to suggest a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. Kyle, how are those uh, YouTube videos coming along? Getting some views out there? Yeah, I think we have some yeah pretty regular viewers and there's some good studies. We have always, always some Bible studies going on, so it's always a good thing to add to your Bible study uh, routine. So there you go. Good. And the and the College U Sermon Podcast, Kyle, is another one you want to subscribe to. Yeah, with the so you can watch them on YouTube, but you can also if you just want to listen to them yeah. on your commute. Well, you have select sermons. We won't listen to every sermon, but well, there will be some select sermons from usually every Sunday. Check so. that out. Yeah, yeah. find out Absolutely. more at uh, collegeview.com under sign up resources if you want to check out that podcast and get that on your on your phone or wherever you get your podcast, so you can check it out there. We're talking about uh, examples of personal evangelism on the program tonight. Andrew says, interesting that many Samaritans believed on the basis of the woman's testimony. Maybe it forces us to question our typical belief that the testimony of women was worthless in that community. Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they obviously listened to what she had to say, or at least they, she got them to Jesus where they could listen and find out for themselves. So uh, everyone has a part to play in uh, the area of personal evangelism. And uh, you think about this woman, she wasn't well-versed in the Scripture. She wasn't, uh, you know, she didn't know the the Old Testament front ways and back ways, but she could get people to the person who could help them. And, Nick, we can do that. You know, if we don't feel comfortable getting off into some deep spiritual discussion, we can get somebody connected with someone who can. Yeah, you would think her reputation in the community already had gone before, and yet yep. when she come in with a message bringing of what Jesus had done, she even had influence on there those people yeah. to listen. Yeah, yeah. really yep. good. Okay, so let's do this again. Let's let's move to the other example we wanted to investigate. Let's let Kent's outline lead us uh, to talk about. 
Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. Okay. He says, first of all, Philip, and, and, and we don't have time to read the whole text, and so we're going to assume that our listeners and participants tonight are pretty well familiar with the episode of Philip and Ethiopian eunuch. Ken observes first, Philip followed the instructions provided for him to engage in this aspect of personal evangelism. Uh, the spirit. Uh, notice in Acts chapter 8 that he was, he was miraculously guided by the Spirit to go see this man and speak to him. Uh, uh, let me get over there. In Acts 8, it says, uh, An angel of the Lord spake to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Uh, he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto him, Philip, go near, join thyself to this chariot. So he, he, Philip had direct intervention saying, go teach, you know, specifically go teach this man. And Kent is making the point, we don't receive direct instruction from God or guidance from angels today, but we do have the completed word of God that reveals the importance of personal evangelism. Mm. So, so his point is, we're I not like going to get, you know, an angel or the spirit saying, go talk to that guy. But we, we, we have the completed word of God that says we need go to go talk to go, that guy. Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, good. I like that. Uh, he says, Philip made the first move in this opportunity to discuss the scripture with one who was obviously interested. So this man, I think, I think he's right. Here's a guy quite different from the, the woman at the well. This guy was already very religiously inclined. He had made the long trip from North Africa to Jerusalem to worship there. Uh, a lot of question was he, a, was he a native born Jew or was he a proselyte Jew? We don't know the answer to that and it's not revealed to us, but he was clearly committed because he had made a very arduous journey to be in Jerusalem to make sacrifices. Uh, and on his way home, he was still seeking and he was trying to read the, the prophet Isaiah as he was bouncing down the road in his chariot. Yep. So he, he had a, 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 a real interest and Philip, uh, sort of played on that. He, I, I don't know how he knew. It may have been the fact that it might have been so that the eunuch was reading Isaiah out loud. But anyway, Philip could ask, understandest thou what thou readest? And, and so he asked a simple question again, initiated. He made the initiation. Uh, so he made the first move in this opportunity to discuss the scriptures with one obviously interested. Number three, Philip began at the point where he found this individual in his search for truth. Real interestingly, the eunuch happened to be reading in what is almost certainly uh, one of the clearest and most beautiful passages in the Old Testament, prophetically revealing the suffering of Jesus as our Savior. Isaiah 53, he was reading from Isaiah 53. But that's where he was reading, and... uh, uh, and it quotes part of what he was reading. And the eunuch, so he says, the place of the scripture which he read was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture 
and preached unto him Jesus. That's, I think, really important. So here's a guy who already knew about God. He already believed in the Old Testament prophets. He didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know about the sacrificial death of Jesus. Uh, and so Philip began at the point where he found this individual in his search for truth. That's what we got to do. A lot of the people that we have occasion to talk to already will know. They'll be familiar with the Bible. They'll be familiar with God. They'll know who Jesus Christ is. So we can we can start in a, in a more advanced state based upon some of the un, basic understandings that an individual already possesses. On the other hand, uh, if you were, I, I had the occasion to make a, a number of trips to Russia. The people over there didn't know anything about God. They didn't know anything about the Bible or Jesus Christ. So when you're t- teaching a person like that, you got to back way back up, and you can't take any can't take for granted any degree of basic understanding. Right. Uh, and so it's really important that Philip began where he was. Any good teacher does that. Okay. Uh, Philip explained the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, applied it to Jesus and his work. He showed he was powerfully able to show how Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. In order to do that, he himself had to be knowledgeable in those Old Testament prophecies. Yeah. So you know he made a really strong case that you know, there are a lot of proofs, a lot of biblical proofs that we can use, a lot of evidence that we can argue, but we got to know it ourselves. And, and we should be we should be good students of Old Testament prophecy, so we can use that like Philip did in convincing people that Jesus is the promised Messiah. There you go. Uh, and there's motivation for us to be studying it so that we can be well-versed in the Scriptures and have that big picture in mind, uh, Nick, where we can tie it together for the listener. That's right. Uh, certainly they're going to the Scripture. He's asking, understandest what thou readest. You know, that may make someone aggravated with <laughs> you if you ask that question. Yeah. But it also helps you evaluate their disposition to start with you know, if they're reading the scriptures, you know, you should be able to ask that person to explain what they know about that passage. And, and, and it, it showed the good humility yeah. of the Ethiopian Union to, to say, no, I don't. And, Can you help me? And we have to evaluate people, too, to see, you know, where we need to start and, you know, what their disposition is. And that helps us, you know, if they'll explain to us what they believe about a particular passage, then yeah. we, if we're familiar with what the Bible says, we're better prepared to begin to know where to start with them. Exactly right. Uh, he's uh, here's uh, so uh, Kent goes on with his uh, points. He says preaching Christ obviously involves more than only preaching the incarnate person of Christ, though preaching such is essential to New Testament salvation. New Testament salvation. He obviously preached truth regarding sin, personal accountability, and the plan of salvation. The case being that while in Samaria, Philip preached the importance of the kingdom of Christ, the universal extension of the New Testament church. No doubt he preached the same thing to the Ethiopian noblemen due to the fact that salvation is found within this universal body of all saved people. I think the fact that he preached about sin and salvation and accountability is also evidenced in what the eunuch said. This is really interesting. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth, began to the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? How did he know that he needed to be baptized? Uh, all it says is that, that Philip preached Jesus to him. But the point is clear. You can't preach Jesus without preaching the, the doctrine of Christ 
including baptism. So in preaching Jesus to him, he preached to him that he needed to be baptized for the remission of sins. I think that's a point that Kent's making there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number five, Philip did not coerce this individual into obeying the gospel. However, he taught the truth in such a way as to create a desire in him to accept and obey the gospel. We need to do the same today. We cannot force individuals to obey the gospel. However, we need to do our best to persuade them to do so without coercing them. I think that's, I think that's good too. You know, uh, uh, there's an old saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And so mm-hmm. if, if we, if we just force somebody to do something that they're not really convinced to do, yep. then that's not effective. It's got to be okay. their will. And then he says, Philip presented the gospel to this individual in a way to impress him that there was danger in delay. I like that point that Kent makes. In teaching him, he had obviously stressed to him that this is the kind of thing that you don't want to put off. Uh, urgency of obedience is clearly in this in this episode. I like that point. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so Kent, as I follow along here, touched on most of the um uh, points that uh, Grant and Jim had put in their response. Uh, Jim did uh, say, uh, add in again, don't reject anyone who shows spiritual interest. The eunuch obviously did. Uh, Philip asked him if he needed any help. We should always be ready to help with those who seek God's counsel. He let the man ask him to direct his concerns. Uh, so maybe let, let, let the person we're talking with lead the discussion on, at times. And uh, Grant said, one must then confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8, verse 37. Both the preacher and the one being baptized went down in the water, Acts 8, verse 38. Uh, so some principles there that we learn about uh, salvation. Yeah, and you and, really find out what baptism actually is, what the mode of baptism is. All right, we need to get our last break, and when we get back, Jim's got some final thoughts for us here. That I think really the good. two together. Yeah. We'll look yeah. at those, and we'll look at your comments as well. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey found that practicing Christians are now a much smaller segment of the U.S. population. A practicing Christian is identified as one who agrees strongly that faith is very important in their lives and have attended church within the past month. In 2000, 45% of Americans qualified as practicing Christians. That share has consistently declined over the last 20 years. Now just one in four Americans, 25%, is a practicing Christian. 
In essence, the share of practicing Christians has nearly dropped in half since 2000. That information is via Barna.com. The Word of God says in Luke 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program. Go to the top of the hour looking at uh, examples of personal evangelism and the lessons we can learn from them, from those examples of the woman, uh, Jesus and the woman at the well and Philip and the eunuch. In the chat room, Andrew says literacy rates were extremely low back then, 3 to 5% in ancient Palestine, according to uh, Hazizer. Uh, so it probably wasn't too embarrassing to not be able to know how to read. Well, I think the eunuch did know how to read. He just didn't know he how to connect the dots yeah, that, uh, yeah. that was being presented there, which someone would need help. Yeah, I, and I, I would imagine that this, this Ethiopian nobleman it was probably, a, for well, the day, a, a highly educated individual. Yeah. But he, he, but I really think it speaks to his humility that he was willing to honestly say, no, I don't understand what I'm reading. And if you have any insights that can help me, please say so. If, you know, if, if everybody in the religious world were that honest and humble, that'd solve a lot of problems. But people get their minds made up before they even, you know, before you even get a chance to discuss well, it. There's nothing, nothing wrong with the Ethiopian eunuch for not knowing. I mean, you cut the New Testament out of your Bible and read those uh, prophecies about yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And you would say, is he speaking about himself or some other man? I mean, that's just natural. Uh, but he was humble enough to say, yeah, you know, I'm not getting this. Yeah. All right. Let's look at some. So we talked about Grant's outline on the on the woman at the well. And we talked about Kent's outline on the Ethiopian eunuch. Jim, our buddy from Kentucky, has he commented on both, but he also tied together both cases here. Okay. See what he says, Jacob. He says each case is the same in that they were left convicted that Jesus or convinced that Jesus was is the Christ. John four twenty two and four forty two and Acts eight thirty seven. Isn't that a good observation? The outcome of both episodes is the same. They're convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. That's Which is what our we're goal. Driving. That's what we're driving for. That's the goal. Yeah. He, he says each case is different. Jesus knew that what the woman needed and to confront her because of her sins. Yet at the same time, he did not talk down to her nor discourage her from discussing the scriptures with him. Her level of spiritual knowledge was weak, so Jesus dwelt or dealt with the most important thing, everlasting life. Yeah, so the, she was not a, a deeply religious person. The Ethiopian eunuch apparently was a, already a deeply religious person, but both needed to know more than they knew. In each case, or in the case of the eunuch, Philip was directed by God, his angel, verse 26, to meet the eunuch. He knew the eunuch was in need, but not what the need was. It was also wonderful to find the eunuch reading God's word. So Philip could know that the eunuch was interested in spiritual things, something we sometimes do not know when approaching people, their level of spiritual interest. That, that's, that, uh, and that sometimes intimidates us, but we shouldn't let it. I think you're right. The eunuch's level of spiritual knowledge seemed greater, so Philip immediately went to dealing with Jesus as, a, as the Christ and our need for his redemption. So he assessed the situation, learned that uh, well, he was interested in these things, and his knowledge was somewhat there, so he could d- jump right into the more important things there, perhaps. We need to know. We have to know what level of spiritual knowledge people have in order to know which is the best way to go. But we don't always have that luxury. Uh, he says we often are looking for the eunuchs and pass by the woman at the well. Now that's a good point. Yeah, because we're looking for people who are already 
religious. Prime candidates. Prime can We're looking for the prime candidates, and we're overlooking some people. You know, this woman had, I think Nick mentioned earlier, she had a pretty terrible reputation in town. But and it might and we might have been the kind of person. Ah, uh, that's the kind of person who wouldn't be interested even if I made an effort to talk to him. I'm not even going to try to talk to him. Yeah, Jesus didn't do How that. About Saul of Tarsus. Would anybody want to yeah. take him on as a evangelism candidate? Uh, we want to, the people who already have some Bible knowledge yet may find the ones most eager are those who know the least. Their minds are not yet made up. I think that's true. I think that's good a good points point from Jim. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Really good. Um, so our listeners uh, did the whole all the work tonight. They, they did the work for us. They took us through. And uh, but but don't you agree that? And it, uh, they all made great points here. The uh, those two episodes are uh, really got great pointers for us in doing the work of evangelism. Yeah, uh, and we should. It's 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 important work. It absolutely is critical, vital, important work, and we need to be engaged in it. Nick, a final thought from you tonight. I was thinking about verse 35 where it says, Philip opened his mouth. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we do need yeah. to open our mouth. Just we open have your mouth. Tendency, Start talking. Uh, to meet people, and, and we'll talk about, as you mentioned, everything else under the sun, but we won't open our mouth and begin to speak on Scripture. Yeah. We've got to do that. Good point. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Kyle, uh, we haven't heard much from you tonight. Uh, thoughts from that side of the board? Yeah, it's a good start. I think we need to make sure we're being bold and confident in our Biblical knowledge. We're going to be hesitant to rely on our own, you know, database of our biblical think sos. And but we need to make sure we go what the Bible says. Make sure we think, speak where the Bible speaks, and hopefully we can lay some, plant some seeds anyway, so we can. All you got to do is plant seeds. Yeah. You know, and and you don't have to get it, somebody to sit down to a you know a twelve week in depth personal Bible study. Uh, Jesus didn't. Uh, it wasn't that wasn't his goal here with the woman at the well? Just plant some seeds, as you said, Kyle. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And, and you never know what might happen. That's right. And and uh, you know, so they both those episodes were successful, as Jim pointed out. They both ended up believing in Jesus as the Son of God. What if they? Had, what what if one or the other or both of them had rejected the message? It still would have been a successful outing. The gospel had been preached. Amen. You know, that's what we think. We think we have to take someone all the way to the baptistry before we had. Or we failed. Or you're a failure. Yeah. No, you can be a failure every time you do it. I mean, I'm sorry, a success every time you do it. You're just planting the seed. Yeah. Planting the seed. That's right. All right. Good discussion tonight. Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Hope that you benefited from our discussion and study of God's Word tonight. And we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.